Okay, so question. Is it okay if I record a podcast in the back of your taxi? You know, like just an audio thing, like a story that I'm going to tell. You won't be on it. It's not video, but can I just do a, like a story for the internet? Is it okay? So like no music? Can I just talk in my phone? Is it okay? Sir? Can I just talk in the phone? Is it okay? It doesn't bother you? Okay. I don't want to be rude. Kakun crap. Um, okay. So I'm just going to be like talking to myself for 30 minutes, you know. I hope it's not too too funny. So I'm going to tell a story. So it might get, if I get a little loud or whatever, it's just because I'm telling a story. It's gets good though. Um, thank you. Kakun crap. Very excited. By the way, this is totally electric. This car is 100% electric, sir. Okay. Well, I like it. Um, thank you. All right. Uh, ultra working. So, starting out. Did you ever listen to the song 10 Miles High by Nine Inch Nails? It was, it was cut from The Fragile. It was originally a track from The Fragile. It was a Fragile era track that didn't make the main album. It's not that great of a song, but it's a great song about, well, let's talk about it. It opens with 20 seconds of kind of underwater-sounding music. It's kind of, like, pleasantly weird. It's distorted. It's super chill. It's very, like, friendly is not the word, but it's, like, it's cool to start. And then Trent Reznor, the, you know, the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails, he comes on, he's whispering, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. All the time. So, so that goes a few times. I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer all the time. It goes a few times. Around the one-minute mark, there's kind of a slight swirling noise, like a storm is brewing, just for like five seconds. But then things tick up ever so slightly in intensity. Some guitar stuff comes on, and still whispering, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer all the time. Then around 1.30 in the song, something kind of like police sirens or like a nuclear power plant melting down comes on. Wee, wee, wee. Then a guitar comes on, matching, like wee, ring, wee. And it's all, it's discordant. It's still the whispering. I'm getting closer. Right? Around the two-minute mark, super distorted electric guitar comes on. Then Reznor shouts. And you know when Reznor shouts, if you listen to Nine Channels, you know how he shouts. I tried to get so high. And it, it echoes. I tried to get so high, 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 high. I made it 10 miles high. High, high, high. I'm gonna get so high, high, high. Right? So that's 10 miles high by Nine Inch Nails, or at least the start of it. Welcome to the Ultra Working Podcast. Uh, we explore everything about peak performance on this show. And uh, guess who's back? Uh, yeah, I'm Sebastian Marshall. And... Uh, it's good to be here. Um, I'm recording in a taxi. I imagine the audio quality is going to be terrible on this iPhone. I hope the content's going to be good enough to make it worth it. And I think this is going to be kind of raw and gritty on purpose. Um, and we'll see if it's any good if you're listening to it. We thought it was worth putting out. Hunter S. Thompson, the famous Gonzo journalist, once said, The edge, there's no honest way to explain it. Because the only people who really know where it is are the ones who have gone over. Why are we talking about this? You know why we're talking about this, don't we? Don't you? You know, right? I made it 10 miles high. I, Sebastian, made it 10 miles high. I'm back. I survived. The edge. There's no honest way to explain it. 
the only people who really know where it is are the people who have gone over. I know where the edge is. I went over. I survived. <sighs> Sigh. What do we want to talk about? The drugs, metacognition, human limits, biology, identity, arrogance, unilateralism, self-sacrifice. What do we want to talk about? I guess it's a rhetorical question. I'm here in this taxi. It's pleasant. It's nicely air-conditioned. It's all 100% electric, I think. There's no, it's not burning gasoline. That's nice. Um, what do I want to talk about? Well, let's start with the obvious thing. Don't do drugs. Okay. So I wound up in the hospital in the first week of October. And before we go on, I'd like to make a few things clear. I never did any illegal drugs. Everything I did was legal, over-the-counter, or I had a prescription for it. Second, I was super careful. Like, I was top 2% careful, maybe top 1% careful. I say that both to underline that I wasn't being reckless and that even if you're being super careful, you can get into trouble. Talk about it. Three, I've always been whatever the opposite of a pusher is, right? I always encourage people not to casually use anything, to always do their own research. I'm 100% not the type of guy to be like, oh, hey, try this. Not at all, and I still feel that same way, even more so now. But, you know, just when you're building a mental model of who I am, this is something I did very carefully. Pharmacology, tons of research, extreme caution. And here's the real kicker. I prepared extensive defenses to not go out of control on drugs due to failure, due to being having a bad time in life, due to something going wrong, right? I had extensive protocols to never use and ratchet back if I was feeling depressed, if I was feeling unhappy, if I was failing, if I was unproductive, etc. It was success that almost killed me. Success. I didn't think to put in defenses against success. I assumed that in the successful cases, things would take care of themselves. Well, that's false, and I wound up in the hospital, and I could have died. Um, I asked my friends later, and I've got some really amazing friends. I got odds from different people. Justin's were the best, most favorable odds. Um, he said that he only had me at a 2 to 7% chance of dying. He's in medicine a little bit, so he's probably right. Kai's odds were lower than 50%. Probably if this happens to five people, one of them doesn't make it, so maybe 20%. rest of the people were somewhere between that range. Uh, zooming out a little bit, why, why am I going to do this show? Well, I really, really, really like being honest. That doesn't mean I've got a blah, blah, blah about everything. No, not at all. I'm plenty discreet. But especially when I've got something publicly wrong, I want to publicly correct it so the bad information is counterbalanced. My, uh, my conception of peak performance was fundamentally wrong. Hold on one second. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Driver? Hello? Can we turn down that radio just a little tiny bit? Can you turn down that sound a little on the radio? The radio. Can you turn your radio down, your phone? Because I'm trying to record. Just a little bit lower volume. Okay, thank you, sir. Where were we? Thank you, Kakun Krap. And, and by the way, at the end, I'm happy to pay and, and tip, so I'm very grateful that I, I get to do this. Thank you. So everyone, my conception of peak performance was fundamentally wrong. Um, I had a component of heroic self-sacrifice built into everything I did. I thought on some level that if you were strong enough to enjoy nothing, need nothing, being willing to take unlimited damage to win... Something like that was my theory of changing the world. But really, I don't know how to describe it. None of that is quite right. And it's very hard to describe ideas that are inherently non-verbal. I can say definitively that I knew there was a price to be paid, but I was mistaken about how to pay the price. Now, a little wiser, I hope, I think the price is figuring out what the configurations of success are and concentrating and learning 
and doing to make those configurations happen. Whether you're happy or sad or hyped or depressed is rather irrelevant as to whether you're able to make things happen, you know? Sacrifice isn't good or bad. It's irrelevant, right? If you get the job done, you get the job done. It doesn't matter if you sacrificed or not. But, you know, I had the self-sacrifice thing going on partially, and that was like I'm a doctrine level and close to the identity level. Like, I thought being willing to give everything, burn everything, be tougher than everyone, cut everything, enjoy nothing, hold back nothing, I thought this would lead to the maximum possible success. Not success for myself, per se. I, I don't actually really care about myself, really. That's really true. But, like, my theory of making special things happen was, I suppose, to be willing to burn alive, if that's what it was called for. Now, this isn't what I wanted for everybody. I, I figured out a long time ago that not everybody wanted that, of course. And so I, I had something where, like, if you wanted to go max strife for max payoff, you know, Nietzsche's, if you want the greatest possible joy and jubilate up to the heavens, you might need the worst possible misery, the Nietzsche thing, right? Um, I only wanted that for people that wanted it. And for other people, I wanted to make it as pleasant, as comfortable, as cordial for them as possible. But even that, now, I think was a false dichotomy. It was just wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I mean, that's why I'm doing this show, is because I was wrong. And I'm not sure I ever said these outright, but I certainly implied them, and I was wrong. So I'm now publicly correcting myself. And now, I actually want the correct version of what I was saying. You know, there's like the... I used to think that some people want hard mode. Let's give them hard mode. Let's get strife. Let's make it real tough to evolve as much as possible. Some people don't want hard mode. Let's make it easy for them. Let's be pleasant. Let's be cordial. Let's be convenient for them. Um, I actually now want both of those for everybody, but the correct version of both of those. I don't... I think that was a false dichotomy. You know, I want everyone to have as much happiness and joy as possible and as much challenge in the right form with the right timing and in the type and form and amount that people want so that they can handle it and overcome it in order to evolve and become stronger, become more vibrant, more effective, more useful. Um, yeah, I, I now don't think there's a conflict between the two. And, you know, I, I still don't think most people will get on the elite path, and I still do believe in eliteness, but conceptually I'd like everyone to, um, to, to be elite if they want to or to get closer to it all the time in a friendly way, not in the 10 miles high sort of way on that kind of arrogant, foolish way. Um, I no longer see a contradiction between peak performance and having a pleasant, enjoyable life, which is big for me, though I almost died to get that realization. But where was I? In the hospital. No, I'm not in the hospital yet. What happened? I'm telling you the story. Okay. So confluence of things led to it. Um, I had first had the self-sacrifice thing going on in my worldview. Second, I was carefully and legit, I was being really careful. I was carefully using legal, 100% legal, did it all legally and above board. But I was legally using performance enhancing drugs. Um, we hit a bit of an inflection point at ultra working. Crisis isn't the right word, but it was an inflection point. In the process of navigating that, I had a couple major breakthroughs and reached. I hope this doesn't sound crazy, but it's actually true, and I could get into this more and, and, and explain it. But I, I reached something like on demand metacognition, unstable and highly expensive, but I could literally just snap it on and like observe myself observing my thoughts and observe myself taking action. Even now when I'm sitting in a taxi, I can just like health check myself. It's like, okay, feet hurt, slight headache, this level of sweat, this level of intellectual engagement, this, you know, and I know it sounds a little robotic, but you know, like I can literally just flip all my vitals and then be like, okay, how's my voice? How's my pitch? How's this going? Am I connecting? Am I really feeling it? Am I actually being genuine here? Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the full truth? Am I holding anything back? Um, I can just flip it on now and 
everybody's had glimpses of this. We'll talk about metacognition momentarily. But I was, I was able to just start flipping it on whenever I wanted. And it was so cool. Um, and that led to some seriously higher levels of performance, including one that was a bit of a mixed blessing, which was the ability to more or less perform adequately without sleeping at all, or sleeping very little. And, uh, you know, like Icarus, I was like, oh my god, this is so awesome! And I flew close to the sun before promptly hitting the ocean in free fall. So let's go through all of those. First, I already mentioned the self-sacrifice, no happiness thing. Too bad I'm not religious. I should have read Hebrews 11. That would have straightened me out. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't use the word martyr since I like to win, but I definitely had some of that going on. Wrapping up on the drug front, the drugs weren't the problem per se, um, but they did let me run past my biological limits. I was, towards the end, taking heavy amounts of caffeine, moderate amounts of ephedrine, extremely heavy amounts of nicotine, a few mainstream supplements like ginseng, um, and a particular prescription non-amphetamine stimulant, all legal. Uh, I never took uh, any amphetamines or reuptake inhibitors um, because of their addictive qualities, didn't want anything that was strongly plus euphoria. Always wanted non-euphoria-inducing drugs, like the opposite of party drugs. Take ephedrine, for instance. Thermogenesis promoter, broncholator, appetite suppressant, increases metabolism. Unpleasant to use. That was the kind of drug I liked. It felt like crap to use it, but it made you more effective. So you wouldn't crave doing it. You'd want to not do it, actually. You'd only do it if it made sense, and quitting felt easy and enjoyable instead of hard. By the way, this is the story of how I wound up in the hospital, so please don't take the wrong lessons for it. Don't do drugs, okay? Please? All right. Um, now, I didn't overdose, and I didn't abuse the drugs per se. My dosages were high, but well within the sane range. The problem was the rest of my life was pretty unhealthy at that point. I was literally not eating, because I didn't have to. I can just metacognitively override those hunger impulses. True. Dangerous, though. Um, no sleeping, max stress, max intensity, and... Uh, all high stress, not sleeping and working, constantly put me in a hospital, but we're not to that part of the story yet. Zooming out, uh, before this run, we'd had a bit of a turning point at Ultraworking. See, we were a pretty successful company by many standards. We'd, uh, we'd served some of our customers really well, like really, really well. Pages and pages and pages of this is life-changing type testimonials from the Pentown, from on the work gym, various free offerings we put out. Like, we're not the totally most awesome thing ever, but we're pretty darn good at what we do. Nevertheless, um, we went cash flow negative intentionally. I say we, but I mean I. It was my call as the CEO. We hired two, two engineers and went cash flow negative. Until then, we've been profitable, had all the runway in the world, but things were, were going too slow in my estimation. So that's a much longer story. But basically, our, our product was good and robust for certain types of people, but not enough for others. The onboarding was flawed. There's just gaps in certain things that we should have been able to do, not feature complete. And this led to kind of a cycle in a spiral. I've got a lot of notes on it. I'm going to skip it. It was a chain link problem. Like everything needed to get better. We needed better dev to unlock better marketing. We needed better marketing to have more revenue. We needed more revenue to be able to hire more people. We needed to have better ops to be able to get people onboarded. We needed to be able to have people hit the ground running faster to be profitable faster once we hire them, which would require better systems and ops and better product and better, you know, you get it, right? So that was what was going on. And uh, so we went cash flow negative, and then we had a couple of revenue campaigns that succeeded but underperformed. Um, they were like 30th percentile successes, and I was like, really wanted 80 to 90 and would have been okay with 50 to 60, but we had like two or three things underperformed that would make like 30 sales instead of 100 that could have legit done 100. Um, and we had a, a, a payments error. We bill quarterly, which is weird, and then sometimes like we'll discount the first thing, and we just tell people that we're pretty straight up about it, but banks are like, this is weird. Spend $100 with these people three months ago and now they're trying to bill you for 147 
three months later, do not honor. That costs us thousands of dollars. The banks are very opaque about this. And we didn't have any alerts set up on Stripe or anything. So that cost us thousands. So we just like look at the bank one day and it's like, whoa, our spreadsheets of how much we're nominally making based on customer cancels, right? We're like, we're good, but no, we're not good. We weren't paying enough attention. Um, so we're in a little bit of a cash flow crunch. So I said, okay, well, I wrote an email to the whole team, cashed out my life savings, wrote an email to the whole team, Alia Yacta Est. That's what Julius Caesar said when he crossed the Rubicon. The die is cast. Like, all right, I'm in for all my life savings. This is important to me. Um, cool. That'll be six to 12 months of runway at least. Plenty of time to figure things out. But, but, you know, um, like, everybody now is going to be up or out. Like, level up and perform. Some people weren't performing um, on the team. And we're very open about this. This is not a negative thing. Like, you know, just if you're not performing, you're not performing. Everybody kind of knows. Um, I really cared about everyone on the team. I think everyone that we hired was a good hire, good person. Um, some people weren't performing, and we're cash flow negative, and we're going to die uh, in a year. We're going to die in a year if we don't get our act together. So I'm kind of like, all right, let's go up or out with everybody. Let's like let's set some targets and start hitting them. Let's set some very reasonable targets and give you all the support you need. And with anybody that was on the edge, I was spending dozens of hours with them. This is why I was working so much. I was putting in 110-plus-hour weeks because I was putting in a full 40 to 60 hours of work, and then I was spending, say, so spending 60 hours on my normal work, and I was spending 50 hours spread between the staff of trying to get everyone to level up. A lot of long conversations, a lot of long walks, a lot of going to the gym together, a lot of talking about what matters, talking about what the blocks are, trying to install different beha- patterns, behavior, ops, and um, and it was good and bad. You know, I'm kind of a sweet guy at heart. I really wanted everybody to make it, um, and I wanted to know if they didn't make it that that I did everything humanly possible. Um, to, to help them make it, you know, like I'm the kind of person that I'll go to the end of the world for somebody if, if I believe in them, I, I really will, um, or at least I would have in the past, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be like that anymore, I don't know if I'm willing to burn alive for other people, because this almost killed me, um, you know, in, in that last era, and I'm not like this anymore either, um, I had extremely high standards, I disliked most people, but if I liked you, and we got into harmony, I'd do anything for you fanatic samurai wolf pack loyalty Now people often wouldn't reciprocate and that was okay they, they couldn't reciprocate it was literally impossible to really reciprocate with the amount that I would put into people for people and I was like well alright I'm going to be the strongest motherfucker on this planet no, no one even needs to reciprocate they can't reciprocate there's no one as tough as me I'm the man that sounds kind of silly saying it now but uh, you know so instead of letting people go they're underperforming and you know legit that was some of us I was you know they had like smart people problems stubborn impatient don't, don't do the fundamentals um no I'm empathetic to that I understand because I've done plenty of that and still still do, do plenty of that but in the course of working with everyone on the team working on all the systems you know trying to get it all dialed in at light speed um you know, just, just deeply going deep on the psychology. It's like, what are the block? Why is this like this? Why, when you made this error here, why? Why didn't this occur to you? This like, logical thing, why didn't it occur to you? Why didn't you pull a checklist out and run it? Um, and the different people in the team have such different psychology, different professions, different everything. Like, just something clicked inside me. And I was just able to, like, observe my own thoughts. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Right now I'm lying to myself. Right now I'm wasting time. Right now I'm, right now I'm dialed in. Right now I'm good. Right now I'm really good, but I feel my energy waning in about 20 minutes. I'm going to be tired, or I'm not breathing enough. Like actually, right now, meta while I'm podcasting, enough, I'm not breathing enough. So I should like slow down, take a breath. You know, speak fast. You potentially hyperventilate, especially when you recount something like this. Slow down a little bit. 
those adjustments are the difference between going for 45 minutes all out and going for four hours all out. Just a few breaths, turn away. Small adjustments that are generated by the better perception of what you're doing, how you're feeling physically, mentally, metacognition. So I, I got on-demand metacognition. I can snap it on. Um, I still can. I've been testing it. I've been getting swimming lessons, trying out singing and dancing. I'm getting good at a bunch of things really quickly. Not, not that I care about them. I'm just, I don't care if I can sing or not. I don't care if I can dance or not. I just wanted to see, like, the objective tests. Um, hey, I mean, the, the, the jury's out. We'll know in a year or two. We'll pay attention to whether I put out insane performance across the next year or two. If I don't, then I was mistaken. It's not on demand metacognition. It's on the way to getting harnessed. Um, or maybe it was, but I wasn't able to harness it and make it work. Um, but I think it's real. Um, it was unstable. It was highly expensive to run, but it was so, so cool. It's been something I've been searching for. I mean, I meditated for multiple years in a row every single day. I've done an extensive amount of physical training and studied a lot of Buddhist stuff. And like, I mean, I'm not, I didn't just turn on superpowers someday. This is years of training coalesced in a high-stress situation. Um, and metacognition is a big word, but it's, it just means thinking about your thinking. Cognition's thinking. Meta means self-referential. So, you know, I got a lot of notes here about what metacognition is, but we can skip it. A jogger that feels their feet when they're hitting the ground is doing metacognition. When you do the most common type of mindfulness meditation where you just observe your breath and then, you know, you just attempt to observe your breath and when another thought arises, you just watch it. It's metacognition. You're watching your thinking. That's it. Different types of biofeedback. There's different types of athletics. There's a lot of athletics. You know, when you watch a game tape, what was I thinking when I made that mistake on the field? What will happen the next time that happens? You know, if the the defense is collapsing on me, do I panic and throw an interception? And okay, what's that? How am I going to change how I do that and relate to you know metacognition? Um, so there's that. So I'd, I'd gotten to. I'd gotten to this metacognitive state. I'm putting in 60 normal hours a week and then 50 50 additional hours with the team, and I'm fine. I'm working 18 hours a day, and I'm doing it, and it's not a problem. Um, And, you know, for better or worse, once you get metacognition, um, you can recognize, I feel bad and want X, where X is food, water, sleep, anything. It actually comes from a separate part of the brain than the what am I going to do next part of the brain. You know, normally someone like sees a, a food and they're hungry, they just put it in their mouth, right? You got the metacognition flipped on, you're like, that's hunger. Quick health check. I could go three more days without eating, which is true, by the way, and I have done that. Fasting is another way to learn and observe yourself. Be careful. Do your research. Um, I don't need to eat for three days. I'm hungry, but that doesn't matter. Well, I did that with sleep. You know, you can repeatedly acknowledge and discard being tired. You'll notice your reflex is slowing down, of course. Your decision-making will get worse, but it won't decay as fast as you'd think. Well, I mean, depends on what type of work you're doing, but I was actually doing really well, pretty good work without sleeping, like, objectively. Or I'll go back and review it, I suppose. But you seem to call this pretty good work. And I think you know where we're going with this. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer all the time. I tried to get so high. I made it 10 miles high. I'm going again so high, 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 high. I thought, just through sheer force of will, 
I was going to be able to convert unstable on-demand metacognition to the ability to just suffer and burn constantly, constant 18-hour days with no problems, perfect self-awareness. I mean, it's a dream. It's a good dream to have. I do think that's a state that some humans have rarely hit throughout civilization. I think trying to get that in a crisis without eating when you're unhealthy, when you're doing a lot of stimulants is not the way to do it, obviously. So here's what broke me. 25.5 hours of work in a row. Yeah, I worked for more than 24 hours straight. Good work, too. It was legit good work. I slept three hours. I got up. I worked 17 hours in a row. This isn't in the office. This is working. It was good work, too. Seven hours of sleep. Then another day like that. Then I broke down. Then I broke down bad. <sighs> this is where my notes ran out. It's because it's the hard part, I suppose. So I'll just kind of wrap it up. Maybe the taxi will get to my hotel. Looks like we're turning off the freeway. Wow, it was bad, man. It was bad. Um, there's a very fine line between seeing patterns and underlying the thoughts and capabilities that exist in the world and over-extrapolating and over-connecting. Absolutely, 100%, almost anybody, especially with a little bit of stimulants, could work 25 and a half hours in a row. That's People do it all the time in emergencies and hurricanes and a, you know, if there's a major disaster and a doctor's treating people constantly. You can do that for one day. You could probably then sleep three hours and do it the next day. Uh, where's the line? Well, for me, it was in three days. So, you know, there's a little bit of hallucinating... Thinking became a muddled mess. Um, and then I went into something that I think was like cardiac arrest or that had the potential to be cardiac arrest. Now, I talked with a pretty elite um, U.S. military medic, a friend of a friend, who's very kind to talk about people that go through very high-stress situations. It's something most normal doctors want to experience, somebody that tries to push things to the limit as much as me. Um, talk with this elite elite medic who knows kind of what's up elite 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 medic and uh, he said you know it's probably not cardiac arrest cardiac arrest kind of just kills you he didn't say it like that but that's what he's implying whatever some cardiac issue my heart was a mess I was in the hospital they took pretty good care of me in the hospital not perfect but pretty good got on oxygen got water fixed me um, the metacognitive stuff helped I was actually able to calm my own heart rate down my breathing tech what I needed but it was ugly. And, you know, coming out of there, and this is probably another story for another time, um, coming out of there, I just had a realization that I was doing everything wrong. The self-sacrifice thing is wrong. You know, if you try to burn yourself alive, the end result is probably that you're going to get burnt alive, not that you're going to accomplish a lot of things, you know. If you look at the people that are really, really successful, they tend to be having a really good time or at least enjoying a large part of the process. You know, you look at, say, Richard Branson maybe is a good example Right, or you look at Michael Jordan, you know, someone that hit the top of, of his field. Um, you look at Warren Buffett, you know, you look at President Obama. These are these are not people that are having a terrible time and gritting through it. I do think I gave something up when I flipped. I think I'm less likely to invent like etchy ryu swordsmanship. Like giving up asceticism makes me less likely to be Miyamoto Musashi, who is a hero of mine. Um, I think it makes me less likely to be Paul Erdish and to be fanatic in one field in mathematics. 
talked about Airdish before on the show, episode number one actually. He's a heavy drug user, a stimulant user. Had a mind a lot like mine. I really, in most universes, if you simulate the universe many times, I probably wind up a mathematician. Um, probably less likely to be Airdish and less likely to be Musashi. I'm a lot less likely to wind up dying. So, I mean, you know, I guess a story is not a story without the conclusion, without the happy, happy arc, without the falling action and the resolution. Um, cold turkey, off everything. One week of flu-like symptoms, as they call it. No caffeine, no nicotine, no anything. <laughs> no harder core stuff, for sure, right? Um, got off everything. Very sick. My friends took very good care of me. I'm super grateful. My friends are really some wonderful people. Kai canceled the middle of a vacation with his, his girlfriend, who will be his fiance soon. Flew back to take care of me. It was very hard to thank people for that level. Any friends of mine that had any backgrounds in, in, in medical or anything were all, were all there. People were really, really good to me. As a side note, I, I know why... You hear those stories about people that intentionally create crisis in their life to have people show, show, show that they love them or whatever? Totally get why. It was awesome. My friends are great. And I made that as a joking remark to a couple people, and they're like, yes, yeah, Sebastian, that's, yes, that's what I'll do for you, but don't ever do it again. And I'm like, okay, okay, I know I don't, I don't want to do it again. Ever. I mean, that's, I just rolled the dice with my life. Yeah, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, quit everything. Came out of it slowly. And then I'm like, I got to... I gotta slow down. I gotta carve out time to be alive, to stay healthy. Swimming every day, cleaning up my diet and eating clean, doing a lot of things I enjoy, trying a lot of new things. I'm, I'm really kind of over that samurai, unilateral, I'm gonna be one of the strongest motherfuckers alive type images. I went to, um, on the same day, I went to a seniors group. I was in Singapore. I was in Singapore on a short business trip. And I went to a seniors, Chinese seniors Christians group where they get together and they sing. And then when I sang with them, I'm not a Christian. Right. And I, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, at first I just, I just wandered in. I'm just like, there's a community of people that look really happy. They're like a sign and everybody's welcome. You know, whatever. It's, it's Christian. They're really nice people. Methodists. And I just wandered in. I'm just, cause I'm like, well, I'm just exploring. What's going on here? What's going on in this church? It looks like there's happy people inside. Let me walk in. And they, like, invited me to stay. Of course they did. Like, everyone's, like, over 60. There's, like, one one woman's great-grandson was there, and then there was me. They invited me to hang out, and they're singing songs about, you know, love and brotherhood and stuff. And first, I'm kind of like, you know, it's kind of it's unusual for me. I'm like, screw it. I'll sing. And then, like, then they're singing, and Jesus is our Savior and stuff. I'm like, man, kind of, uh. You know, I'm like Captain Integrity. I can't sing this. I don't believe it. But then I'm like, you know, it's fine you visit someone's church to sing songs. Now, you know, if you're, like, out and, you know, hey, you're going to come to this underground party, this religious party, and I'm like, okay, you know, in Berlin, and then they're like, hey, okay, we're singing Deutschland über alles. It's like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. But, like, okay, like, songs about Jesus, that's, that's fine. So I did, and I really enjoyed it, actually. I really enjoyed singing with these people. And the same day, I went to a Buddhist sangha, like a Buddhist uh, meditation class led by a, I don't know, Roshi, a master. Um, and I'd always been too arrogant to go to those because I was like, ah, I'm secular and they're going to have weird statues and stuff, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to like pull out the parts of Zen that I like, but the parts that I don't like, I'm going to not do. But no, so I went to another, same day, I went to the Singapore Meditation Center, I had a meditation, they sat, and there was, there was some Buddhist religious stuff in there, and it was, it was fine. Right? 
try dancing a little bit. I'm going to go to a hip-hop dancing class. And just as a way to practice moving my body and trying stuff. It's like, oh, but that's not my image. It doesn't matter. Um, I took off my work harder shirt. You know, at Ultra Working, one of the things we have on our shirts is work harder. I took it off and I said I'm never wearing it again. I've abused my work harder privileges. Now, we're still going to sell those shirts, and I actually still stand by it. I think a lot of people do need to work harder. I think there's a lot of people that have a 40-hour work week. They actually work 15 to 20 hours of their job. They hate their job, and they're like, I'm so stuck. What do I do? Like, you wake up two hours earlier, and you put in 10 hours on your next career every single week. Five days a week, you wake up two hours earlier on the weekdays. You wake up at five. Instead of at seven, you work from five to seven. You work harder, and that's what you need. But work harder really stops. Work harder stops at 25 and a half hours in a row. That's stupid. I'm not wearing a work harder shirt anymore. I'm going to get a different star harder shirt made. I'm very much all in it. At Ultra, I'll get plan harder or joy harder made. And I'll wear a purple plan harder or joy harder or think harder shirt. All of which will release. But work harder? Nah. It's not what I need. So, what am I doing? I'm swimming almost every day. I'm eating clean. Taking nothing psychoactive. Though one of the things that prompted this is I got much more liberal. I had all these hard rules. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. I'm like, you know, I trust myself to moderate now. ATOS, thank you. Let me get you paid, sir. Is that 600 second, dear listener. I'm at a hotel. Thank you. Can I get a receipt? Here's 800, sir. Thank you for being cool while I'm recording my show. Can you, can you make sure that's 800? That's, but hey, the two is for you. Thank you. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm thank recording you. a show in your car. Okay, okay. <laughs> and that was very nice. Okay, yeah, Kakun Krab, okay? Hey, very nice ride. Okay, thank thank you. you for having me. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any bags. It's just this little one. All right. Hey, thank you, sir. Stay safe. Nope, no bag. No bag. All right. Kakun Krab. Thank you. <sighs> I'm outside the hotel. There's a nice little fountain here. Where was I? You know what prompted me to record this? is I want a lot of feedback. I want a lot of guidance. I want to own it. This might save somebody's life to the extent that I was giving bad guidance. I I never explicitly said, you know, burn yourself alive, blah, blah, blah. But it was certainly implied by my tone sometimes. And um, if one person out there doesn't make the mistakes that I did because of it, then that would be good. I'm still a fucking samurai, by the way. And we'll have to flip from clean lyrics to dirty because we're going to go dirty now. I'm going to just swear on the show because that's who I am and... You know, whatever, we try to keep it clean and accessible, but whatever, this is real life. I'm still a fucking samurai, don't get me wrong, but I'm, like, now a samurai that's lightening up a little bit. I replaced all of my, like, badass, like, I had, like, special forces clothing. Not that you would notice it, but, like, my black backpack was designed, like, the special forces guys designed it. And, like, I wore, like, technical mountaineering clothing. Just, like, ah, I'm just, like, a hard-ass guy. I went and I replaced a lot of that with, like, some just, like, lightweight, preppy athletic clothing. I went and bought a pair of Nike Joyride sneakers that have a little bit of pink trim on them. Like, I started, I started buying and collecting hats. I got a Justice League hat now, a Batman hat, right? I got a Captain America hat um, 
from the Avengers. Like, I got a Red Sox hat. Um, I'm going to start collecting watches. I used to be like, I'm a samurai. I don't need money. Money's useless. Money is for the merchant class. I'm a samurai. No. No. No, if you want to do business, you need to serve people. If you serve people really well, they'll pay. When they pay you, then you can hire more people. You have more resources. And if you're like, I don't care about money. I just care about mission and purpose. Then you're not really participating in the economy. No, I need to spend more. I had my own stupid vision. Like, everybody rich spends money. Duh. I'm like, I don't even care about being rich to be rich. And if one of my investor, potential future investors hears that, that's bad. But like, I want to get, like, asteroid defense going. I want to get, like, sensors out in space. I want to fund a lot of art. But, like, I'm going to, like, spend more on clothing. I'm going to start collecting watches a little bit. I just got a Soviet... No, I got a Red Army. It's a privatized former Soviet watch company. It's in Cyrillic. It's a 24-hour watch. It's cool. I get why people are into watches. I just bought a couple of watches. I bought some hats. I might start collecting knives. Like, not in a weird way, just, like, cool. I don't know, maybe it's weird. No, it's cool. Um, and I used up all my restrictions. I was, like, I had my hard anathema rules about all the stuff I don't eat. That was great, because I used to not be able to moderate with the metacognition and with the health scare. Um, and just kind of, like, getting more joy just where it comes. Um, getting more joy where it comes. I think I can moderate now. I think I can have one piece of cake once a month and then not eat cake for the rest of the month. So I haven't eaten cake for years. Ten years ago, I... I quit eating all mammals like just kind of like a actually i made a mistake in the science i thought larger animals were less healthy because of uh i don't know i don't know why i thought that i was mistaken that was in 2009 um something about food chains or something um but i was wrong of course depends food chains are not size of animal but i just stuck with it i don't eat beef i don't eat pork and it was not a bad rule because most of the unhealthiest meat is beef or pork right hot dogs burgers whatever if you only eat chicken like fried chicken's kind of bad but like kind of can't screw chicken up and then fish is you know be careful but it's usually pretty good um but i'm like nah so i went and had a steak for the first time i just dumped all my rules and i could turn them back on if i wanted to and if i get out of control i will but one of the reasons i did this show was um i went and i i don't do much consulting these days though i might actually i was like oh, i'm a samurai i won't consult even if people want to pay me a lot nah gonna pay me a lot maybe i'll maybe i'll just take that and then spend it on something um like that's good that's fine um but i did a you know one of the rare consulting things it was in kale where i live kuala lumpur wonderful wonderful city great people um spend most of my time there though i'm back in the states a lot and in other places a lot and um you know at the end of this this event that i did for a you know big established company in a a friend of mine brought me in, and she's amazing. We had a great time together. I had a drink, and I haven't drank in 14, no, how many years? More than 10 years. I haven't drank in more than 10 years. And I had a, she's like, yeah, you're lighting up on everything. You want vodka and whatever you're getting? I'm like, no. Yeah, I do. Had it. Felt a little bad afterwards, but then I realized, wait a second. I'm trying to be clean off of all drugs. I'm not even drinking caffeine, and I just had vodka. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I'm about to go off the other end. <laughs> like, the world is so sneaky. The world is so sneaky. I was, like, being too hardcore. I'm only going to use performance-enhancing stuff that doesn't feel good. Then I, like, lighten up. Then I, like, lighten up, and I'm like, cool. That was wrong. Let me just lighten up. I was about to go to the other extreme of, like, not monitoring. And I was like, oh, but I can get away with it. No, I can eat a piece of cake from time to time. But I'm going to, like, hit my macros and get really fit. 
And I'm not drinking. And I'm still not drinking. And I'm still a fucking samurai. And I'm still going to be like hardcore when it's called for. Not in everything all the time. That's stupid. That almost killed me. But I'm not drinking. I had a glass of vodka. And not, it's going to be another 10 years before I drink again at least. And I don't know, maybe there's some situation where it's called for. Maybe I have like a very special whiskey tasting or something. Then I can like make the judgment call. I don't need the hard, hard, hard rules. But I don't want to drink. Drinking is like that. I mean, like, if you like drinking, great. I mean, like, whatever. I, I like stimulants. I did a lot of them and then I almost died. So, I mean, you know, what to each their own, right? But, like, I, I'm, I'm clean. I'm, I'm already feeling a little bit of, like, this, like, burning through my system. I got lucky. Lucius, my, uh, my swimming coach. He, I was just putting my food and drinks and stuff on Instagram. And he's just paying attention to it because he wanted to help me get my nutrition. And he's like, you didn't eat well today. And this drinking thing, this is not going to help you <laughs> in the long run. I'm like, yeah, but come on. Like, I'm just, like, taking off rules and stuff. He's like, no. There's, like, a difference between a cake and drinking. Drinking has no nutrients in it and a lot of calories. Right? Not to mention all the whatever side effects. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, you got to be careful, right? Like I said, oh, the way I was doing it before was wrong. It almost killed me. It was bad. I needed to ease up almost used up too much don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. so i'm gonna be hardcore where it's called for i'm gonna be relaxed where it's called for meditating every day doing a little bit of mobility every day big thanks to joel runyon uh, for introducing me to his app i believe it's the movewellapp.com but if you just google joel runyon move well it'll come up so i'm doing that for five six minutes every day it was very nice of him to hook me up with that um do that do some meditate um there's a great little check-in app called breathe that you can like, you just like rank how you're feeling at the moment and it suggests different guided meditations based on how you're feeling. That's pretty cool. I'm doing that. Swimming every day with Lucius. Um, cleaning up my diet. And I'll ease up. I'll have a piece of cake when it's called for. Um, I don't need all these hard rules. I can have a little bit of bread. I could do this. I could do that. I could try new things. I can go singing in the Methodist church. I can go sit and listen to Buddhist theology alongside the meditation session. Right? I could do a bunch of different things. I can enjoy different types of music that I don't like. I don't have to look good. I don't have to self-sacrifice and be the burn-myself-alive kind of guy. But I also don't need to go totally lax and loose. You know, I can have on my Red Sox hat and Captain America shirt and a little bit of elegant pink trim on my Nikes. They're not obnoxious. No one has commented on the pink on them. Like Dozens of people have seen me. Hundreds of people have seen me wearing them and no one's commented on them. I did not going for obnoxious flashy um but yeah i can wear those things and i can still be drawing the line and being a motherfucking samurai about some stuff that i really care about and being much more real i mean like what else i mean i've like it's been a trip i realized i was a terrible father sucks my girl's lovely she's in first grade i'm not gonna talk about this this much because that's their private lives for them my ex is a saint she is awesome she's really great um, so I just, you know, I just said, hey, like, let's be better friends. I'm going to work on being a better dad. thought I didn't have time for it. just have to sacrifice everything, including my family, including all my relationships, including my friends, including any fun. Whew. Well, that was bad. That was bad, and I almost died. Hi. Um, housekeeping note. Uh, we've got some episodes that weren't published I've been out of commission. I haven't worked for a couple of weeks. It's the first time I've not worked for two weeks in a long time. Um, we've got some episodes that are unpublished. So we're going to be out of chronological order. Um, you're going to get old, Sebastian. So if I'm being hardcore and stuff on those, I do think there was some value in them. So if we publish them, we choose to publish them. Um, I'm not quite the same, Sebastian. Just a few big premises have shifted. 
So a lot of the outward actions will look different. Actually, like 90% of the premise tree is still standing. You just take out heroic, unilateral self-sacrifice as necessary and valuable. You just remove that and just recalculate everything else on the decision trees, the premises, the equations, and you get the new version of me. You get the version of me that's more lighthearted, that's more having fun. I don't think I'm better than anyone anymore, which is crazy. I, forever I thought I was better than everybody. I really did. Like when I met people that I thought were like, okay, I'd be like, wow, this is great. This person's like not useless. Ah, that's really how I thought. You know, that's so arrogant. I'm like, ah, I agree. I don't even know why I thought that way. It's just counterproductive. It's just counterproductive. Like there'd be like somebody kind of, there's this guy when I was going through immigration in Singapore, there's kind of this big belly. He's kind of bumping into me with his big belly. And he's like had his whole family with him. It was a big family. He's like bumping into me with belly. And I started to be like the old Sebastian. I'm like, I hate this guy. This guy's big belly is bumping into me. Like, why are you bumping into me with your big belly? Just get your belly off of me. Just keep your belly to yourself, man. Like, I walk forward in the line, and he just walks forward just enough to just touch his belly to me. I'm like, dude, I don't want to touch your big belly. But then eventually I'm like, why am I having a bad time here and judging this guy? This guy's got his big belly, and he's from a culture that like wants to just share his belly with people, I guess. He's just comfortable bumping into people. And I'm just like, hey, man, how's it going? What do you do? How's your life? Right? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm cool. I do these major, gigantic engineering projects. Here's my family, a bunch of them. I'm like, the guy's super cool. And even if he wasn't, it would have been okay. I'd be like, all right, man. You know, if the guy was, like, not okay, I'd be like, hey, man, by the way, I'm American. Can you, like, we're, like, home on the range. Can you, like, give me a more personal space? Right? So instead of just being, like, a useless guy, I, I don't know. This idea that you just have to be like a samurai all the time and if anything's upsetting you just take out a katana and kill it. It's like, man, what the hell was I thinking? I know what I was thinking. I was willing to sacrifice a lot to do a lot. I still am, but like I actually see keeping yourself happy and grounded, like taking care of the people around you and getting your own needs met and not just being frustrated and pissed off with everybody and arrogant is more effective. So... To some extent, this will require sacrifice in other directions of other parts of my personality. I like being hardcore. I, but, you know, I was about to go the other direction. I was about to be, like, hardcore and not being hardcore. It's so sneaky. It's so sneaky when you try to get things dialed in. Um, all right. I'm off to a conference. Um, Dan Andrews is a lovely, lovely guy. Um, we probably would have become friends. I mean, we're, like, acquaintances. He's, like, a lovely guy. Um, if I'd been less arrogant when we were meeting each other, I was like, I had this samurai thing. It's a kind of cool. It's a kind. Everyone kind of liked me. This Marshall is kind of cool. See if he, if he puts it together, it'll be good. And you know, I almost did. I, there's an alternative reality. There's an alternative reality where I broke through to stable, inexpensive metacognition and ratcheted back without the crisis. And then I would have been a samurai permanently and a really good samurai. So it's kind of interesting. Like my world, totally. Schrodinger's cat split like I almost made it because like had I made it and broken through I don't know how close I was but had I made it to just like aware just constant awareness and like again this is this is study that people people do this this is not this is not that I don't know, talk, talk to veteran meditators this is like this happens this is not a crazy talk to really good athletes they're able to generalize it to the rest of their life just high perception talk to you know elite soldiers and cops and and, and, and whatever like this is this is not it's rare, but it's not, it's not crazy talk. It's millions of people alive have reached the level that I was trying to reach. Millions, if not 100 million, I don't know. Like, a lot of people have reached. Like, it's rare, but it's, like, doable. Had I reached it in samurai mode, I never would have changed. 
and I would have been like self-sacrificed and burn myself alive. And it would have been cool. It would have been cool, and I would have been like an icon of like burn yourself alive to achieve. Um, and I didn't, and that forced a critical reevaluation of everything. And I think I'm probably going to be more successful, though. I won't become an, I'll be less of an archetype. Now I don't stand as strongly for one thing. Kind of weird how that goes and letting that go. But, you know, I'm making this podcast first because anyone was going the way I did. And certainly if they were going the way I did because of my advice, like, got to point them at this one. Don't do it. Like, like ruining your own health and being pissed off and arrogant and uh, thinking that, you know, if you just sacrifice a lot of things, sacrifice has nothing to do with it. You got to put together deals. You got to make people happy. You got to, like, deliver value. If it's really hard for you, then it's hard for you. If it's easy for you, then it's easy for you. Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares how hard, like, if you're, like, selling a sandwich, like a tuna sandwich, like, nobody cares if you, like, hand ground the bread and milled the wheat and stuff or if you like bought wheat and then like got or if you like just bought really good bread from an excellent baker that you had a relationship like nobody cares <laughs> right nobody cares or like if you're like you're trying to make eggs and you're like having a hard time and you keep burning the eggs and having to throw them away and then you're making more eggs you're burning them and you're throwing them away and then you know and then finally you make a good plate of eggs and you serve it customer doesn't care if you burned four plates of eggs before the fifth one came through it's like if you just got it right the first time they'd have been perfectly happy with that and you don't get anything extra for that you don't get any points for that you know if you're like like if your kitchen is poorly ventilated and you're like sweating and it's terrible right you don't get extra points for that like just like ventilate your kitchen like make it more enjoyable you know and i know sometimes we can't because of resource constraints but that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about where you're voluntarily Suffering because you think that's more virtuous or you think it's going to lead to better results. I don't know if it's more virtuous. What the hell is virtue anyways? Um, I don't think so. But I don't know what virtue is. But I will say it doesn't lead to more results. Um, And honestly, I think I'm going to be able to produce more, serve more, and be more valuable and be more enjoyable of a guy to be around. It's not pissed off and hard driving all the time. Because even though I was pretty, pretty, I think I was a pretty courteous person to other people, People sense that you're pissed off and in a hurry, and it's just like people's. Uh, nobody ever wanted to have me around when they're chilling, which is like people like have me around when they have a crisis. They're like Marshall's good in a crisis. He's something you can count on. When they're down the dumps and they want to get their ass kicked a little bit, they give me a call and be like, "Marshall kicked my ass." Like, All right, you suck. I'm like what? Pick it up a little, right? And I don't know if I'll still be able to do that. I'm gonna have to think about that. But yeah, that's why I'm doing this. If that's you. And certainly if you got it from me, I'm, I'm flipped on it. Don't come tell me it's so cool to be a samurai that doesn't enjoy anything. I'll look at you like you're crazy. You're on notice. I know I can't get everybody that's ever come across my work to listen to this, but this is public. You're on notice. I told you it's true. Um, and also, this is for my friends. I'm owning it. I'm open to advice. I'm open to navigating it. I don't know what to loosen up on and tighten up on. I was about to start drinking again. That was a huge mistake. Thank God Lucius caught that before I started to like get into it and make it a pattern. Now I'm going to this conference. People will be boozing a little bit. That's not for me, especially right now. I'm getting perfectly clean and healthy and detoxing everything. I mean, I'm not even out of the detox window on nicotine and caffeine yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's still takes some weeks to reset back to a neutral baseline. Nicotine's actually like forever, but whatever. Um, what the hell was I doing about to start drinking? And in fact, the sugar needs to go back. Cool, I can do it, but like got to get real clean and healthy for a while get my body really tuned up i really ran my body too hard um this is for my friends this is you know if you got advice i'm happy to listen to it i got 900 unanswered emails many of those are signs of support um thank you 
Um, thank you for everybody to follow ups and resources, not disrespect. I've just been out of commission and trying to rethink things. Some good things are coming. Some really good things are coming. I've got a whole set of fresh ideas. Some of which I wasn't doing because I thought I couldn't. Some of which I wasn't doing because I thought it'd be better if I didn't. Some of which I wasn't doing because I was arrogant. Some of which I wasn't doing just because I was like, well, I don't know, being stupid. Um, but this is for my friends too. So, you know, feedback's welcome. If you're listening to this like a month or two from now, I probably don't want to talk about it anymore. That's the caveat. So like, uh, here, 2020 is when I don't want to talk about this anymore. Is my, I mean, I will if you need to, if you're having a hard time. But uh, you're welcome to tell me that this was brave or that you have advice for the rest of the year. It's October. Happy to hear that for the rest of October. Happy to hear that in November. Happy to hear that in December. January, I, you know me. I don't live in the past. This will be in the past really soon. And I think come January, I'm going to be very, very strong going into 2020. I think we're going to do some special things at Ultra Working. I'm probably starting a, like a little holding company for all my art projects. I, I get like a little revenue here and there from old book sales and stuff like that. So it'll help me just get organized on my finances. But I'm hiring an assistant. I'm going to do that with my own money. Not with Ultra Working money. I'm going to do a couple like art hobby things that I want to do got to be really careful you don't scatter your focus as a CEO because there's a lot of stuff to do at Ultra Working. It's very special. But, um, but yeah, we're going to get, like, you know, the people that are on the team are going to get a lot of trust and a lot of autonomy. And it's like, and then, so you know, you perform or you don't. And if you're not performing, you tell me what you're going to do about it. I'm recruiting some very senior people now. I'll have to make the money work, but, you know, that's a game. Recruiting people that are older than me, that are proven. Um, potential is a dangerous thing to be addicted to, you know. I don't know what percent of people that have high potential actually have a payout. Um, I'll take the occasional high potential person, but I had a junior all potential team before. And uh, you guys almost killed me. No, I almost killed myself. Everyone's been really great and everyone stepped up tremendously. Everyone stepped up tremendously. Shout out to Xavier who I had fired before I went into the hospital and then came back and just started working as if it didn't happen. Um, thank you. I left him a really nice LinkedIn review though. I love Xavier and, and thank you, man. And, um, dude, I'm not going to the hospital again to get your ass going, so I, I hope this is a newfound level of performance from you. Or I don't even know what anybody's doing. I'm not operating. Kai, thank you. Lucius, everyone. Luca, Lucius, Luca. Lucas, Lee Knowlton, thank you. Saad, thank you. Nabila, and, and really everyone, everything extended ecosystem, Jessa. Everybody, all of our customers, everybody that's been there for me. I won't name everybody. This would be a long, long list. Whew. All right. Uh, I'm going to go check into a hotel. Um, and then tomorrow I'm going to go to a conference and I'm going to enjoy myself. Um, maybe I'm going to learn something. I'm going to be nice to people. And then I'm going to build some stuff, but not in like a stressed out, frantic sort of way. I'm going to, like, build stuff in, like, a having good time sort of way. And I'm going to, like, do right by my customers. And, like, there's some people that aren't my customers, and that's not you. You should be one of my customers because you're going to get treated like gold, ultraworking.com. Just sign up for anything, and we'll treat you well. I mean, like, like pay us for something, and we'll, like, do a good job for you. We've got the work gym, and uh, we've got the work gym, and we've got uh, the pentathlon coming. And uh, it is time for me to get checked into this hotel. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Good luck and Godspeed. There's no one at the reception desk, so I suppose I could start podcasting. Pardon me, reception? Somebody checking in? Okay, cock and crop. Um, and that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, good luck, Godspeed. Take care of all of your health. Fukoku kyohei, ne? Jinai, jinai. Etowa. 
No, no, no Fukuoka Kyohei. Um, be strong, but not stupid. Thank you. Take care of yourself.